Welcome to this week's episode of the Print On Demand cast. Each week, join Travis and Josiah as they provide insight into the print on demand industry and equip you with the tools, advice, and strategy you need to achieve success and hopefully have a few laughs along the way. Now, on to this week's show. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Print On Demand cast. As always, this is Josiah, and I am joined by Travis Ross. Travis, how's it going, man? It's going good, man. Doing well. How are you doing? You know, busy, but uh, that is the nature of uh, the imminent, impending doom of Q4. Not doom in a right? good way. You know what I mean? Like it's that, it's that uh, point where I, you don't know what to do with yourself. You're so busy, but it's it's a good problem to have for sure. Yeah. How are we making time to do this call? I guess it's because it's before the impending doom, or the doom is still <laughs> right. impending. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and it's close to eight o'clock. I try and set good, healthy boundaries and stop working at eight o'clock at night. So I don't know if that's Smart healthy man. or it's a the boundary of sorts, I guess. So um, hey, man, I'm excited to to be on this call. It's been it feels like it's been a minute since we've been able to to at least over Skype. We've been in person a handful of times, but now sure. we're back on Skype, and you're in your nice little uh, animated spaceship laboratory i'm not too sure what's happening behind a, him you should put a background on it's more interesting for our listeners <laughs> question mark <laughs> we don't know speaking of interesting and speaking of q4 uh that's coming there has there is a a piece of news that has hit that is very pertinent very important to those of us that are going to be sending stuff through the mail and that is going to be this week's point of interest The point of interest, baby. Oh, yeah. Groovy. All right, Travis. So let the people know what is happening with the United States Postal Service and their prices. What's going on there? Yeah. So um, I believe this episode is going to drop on the 21st. So you may have already seen this, but um, on starting... Uh, October, October 18th, um, the post office did a temporary postage rate increase, which is not new or it's not normal. They, they typically just increase, you know, like once a year and it's just an increase. In fact, they did one in January of 2020. Um, right. But I think, you know, then all of a sudden COVID hit and, you know, you, you combine a lot of, a lot of their workers probably not feeling safe and, and, and perhaps quitting or whatever, and just the sure, difficulty sure. in hiring. Um, and then you combine that with the just online, you know, the glut of sales that have happened online in 2020 because people can't go yeah. to the stores and you've got pretty much the perfect storm for the post office. And so I think, you know, I mean, it, it makes sense that, that they're raising their rates to kind of, um, mitigate as best they can sure. and, and be able to hire, you know, because obviously these three months are the biggest months of the year for everybody right. in, in online sales and obviously for the delivery people, too. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a little bit of information here, actually. This is uh, from Stamps.com. Maybe we can drop the link in the show notes if people are interested in actually finding this information themselves. Mm-hmm. Are kind of reading over it, but uh, as Travis said, the increases happened at 12:01 a.m. October 18th, and they will last until the day after Christmas, 11:59 p.m. 
Eastern Standard Time. If you're wondering how long these increases are happening, as Travis said, the increase in, case you in need January. To, in case you need to, you know, deliver or go take a piece of mail to the post <laughs> office at 11:58. Just wait two minutes, three minutes. <laughs> Yeah, the the Christmas gift is late anyway at that point, really. <laughs> Just save it for a New Year's present or something. That's a thing. Uh, so, yeah, so it's going to be till the day after Christmas. It's a temporary increase on top of the um, increases in January that were uh, implemented. So now you're going to see first-class packages, which is essentially, you know, a single T-shirt, uh, a mug, you know, something like that. It's it's pretty uh, – probably the common – um, type of package you'll be sending, or I know that we send as well. So there's going to be an average increase of 7% during the 2020 holiday period. Uh, it's going to go, that was previously, it's going to go to 299. It was previously 274. And yeah. priority mail is going to go to 742, previously at 702. And that is, that's a, that's a pretty significant hike. So what yeah. what's your advice, you know, and what, what do you, I guess, let me ask you, What's your strategy with this increase? Are you going to look at increasing shipping from your independent sites? I know Amazon's a different thing, Amazon Prime, of course. But if you're if you're selling seller fulfilled, if you're selling stuff from a third party site that you own, that's your own brand, what's your strategy to offset, if anything, the cost of this rate increase? Yeah, I wish I had a good, you know, solution, but um, sure, I, I really don't. I mean, it's kind of par for the course when you're shipping with, you know, USPS, they seem to raise their rates. Um, sure. you know, like I said before, every year, in fact, in January, they raised, um, you know, priority mail was from six night was six ninety five, And we're talking about like the base priority mail, right. you know, like the lightest right. package you could send with priority mail and the closest zone. Cause they, the further you send it, the further, you know, the more zones you cross and, and the higher, sure. which will, the, the yeah. price yeah. is. Yeah. Um, but it's a bit, you know, it, it basically started at 695, you know, then they raised it to 702 in January and now they're raising it again to, what did you say? It was like 740, it's, it's 742 now. Yeah. yeah. So that's, I mean, that's almost a, you know, 50 cent rate increase yeah. or close yeah. to it, you know, 45 cents, something like that, uh, since the beginning of the year. So, I mean, to be honest, if I'm just 100% honest, I'm not going to do a thing. I do free shipping yeah. on my products. Um, I'm probably not going to do anything because I typically raise my prices when the buying frenzy starts anyway. Sure. You know, sometime between um, Thanksgiving and Christmas, I'll typically raise my prices a little bit and it'll kind of sure. make up for some of that. I mean, the, the big question is what happens, you know, in January of 2021, are they going to do, you know, make this permanent or they're saying it's a temporary right. thing now, but who knows what's going to happen. So I guess, you know, time will yeah, tell. Yeah, it leaves it, leaves it kind of open-ended with the temporary thing. They could, they could extend it um, mm -hmm. and, and see where it goes. It, it'll be interesting though, you know, the rest of this article, which we don't necessarily have to dig into um, all of those, like internationally, the prices are going up more as well, um, which international shipping is already pretty expensive. So, uh, like I said, for those listening, if you want to kind of dig into the minutiae, we can link this in the show notes so that you can have access and kind of see for yourself what it, what it all means. If you are someone that's going to be shipping stuff yourself independently, seller fulfilled or, or something or anything like that. So, um, something yeah. to certainly think about, uh, anything else, Travis, about this week's, uh, point of interest? Not really. I think it kind of speaks for itself.
you know, I mean, yeah. it's a bummer, but I, I, like I said before, I think it's, it's probably necessary and it's going to, you know, help the post office. I know there's a lot of stuff in the, in the media or has been in the media about, you know, right. them needing money and them being, you know, you know, basically being subsidized <laughs> by the government yeah. and all that stuff that we're not going to get into because this is not a political yeah. podcast, <laughs> nope. but, um, nope. but you know, I'm, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm kind of glad that they're going to, you know, be able to have a little bit of extra revenue to potentially hire some more people and, and have a little less strain during this, sure. you know, unprecedented holiday season. Oh, there it hmm. is. You used There's unprecedented. Yeah, there's that's, the buzzword that everyone likes to use. 2020's favorite word. Yeah, unprecedented. Uh, so, yeah, I think, if, like you said, if it means that they hire more people and, and lift the strain, that's a good thing for everybody involved. It might be a little more expensive, but if it means that things are delivered um, in a timely manner and there's less strain, then then I think it's worth it. And then get for, right. for peace of mind. So, um, all right, well, that'll do it for this week's point of interest. Do we have an outro sound cue? Do we do outro sound cues? No outro sound cue. Okay, no, well, just here, the intro. Then here's five seconds of silence. All right, so we're going to move <laughs> on. <laughs> uh, as awkward as possible. Um, so no, listen. The the main event this week is something that Travis and I actually recorded uh, here in person. It was an interview with uh, a gentleman named Ken Ryle. Real Ryle. Ken Real. Ken Real. Uh, we recorded with him about trademarking super awesome content, but mm-hmm. we it's it's we're basically cutting in an interview we already recorded. So what we're going to do is set the date to however many three weeks ago. Hop in the DeLorean, fire that baby up, and hope we land smack dab in the middle of that interview uh, for all of you guys to listen and enjoy. So uh, with that being said, uh, let let's fire up the DeLorean. Insert uh, car sound cue here. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. All right, everybody, it is time for the main event of this episode. And I'm super excited about our guest and the content that he has to offer because, Travis, it's a subject that I am curious to know more about because it is something that I don't know a whole lot about. So this is kind of like we are the best seats in the house (laughs) to absorb the knowledge firsthand before we disseminate it to all of those listening. So why don't you introduce uh, our guest for this main event. Sure. Well, this guy is uh, well-known in the Facebook world uh, when it comes to trademarking and licensing. And um, he's just a, a an all-around wealth of knowledge. And like you said, we got the best seats in the house. Let's uh, let's welcome to the show Ken Real. Ken, great to have you on the show, man. It's nice to be here. It's nice to talk to you guys again. Yeah, man. Um, to, to just get kind of get the ball rolling, why don't you give us a little intro um, you know about yourself. Tell the tell the audience who you are, um, and and then we'll kind of get your pod journey after that. Sure. Uh, just a guy out of Vegas, uh, getting my kids out of the house, so I'm starting to become an <laughs> empty nester. My background was actually in uh, science and uh, the has waste industry, heavy heavy oil and gas and things like that up in Alberta, and made a transition in 2004 and bought a sign company down here in Las Vegas, and the rest is history. It led from from signs uh, to, to promoting businesses out on the street to being able to fulfill their merch needs, such as uh, T-shirts and business cards and signage and 
window graphics and all that fun stuff and it's just progressed to the point it is now wow so you are you originally from canada i am i'm oh, one okay. of those crazy canucks down here from <laughs> alberta <laughs> that's awesome so you say you do um you started in the sign business that that, that seems like a better transition into print on demand than science and oil <laughs> yeah <laughs> well I, I mean it was a it was a bit of a change um you know the ups and down the oil industry are something else to behold in themselves yeah. uh and and we see it in business but oil and gas is affected quite a bit so i i was at a point where i was going to take a year and maybe start off my own consulting company and in environmental res- resource management or something like that and a buddy of mine asked me he said uh, you want to move to winnipeg and I said, no, <laughs> if anyone's <laughs> in Winnipeg, Canada. And he says, well, we've actually got two options. I've, I've partnered up. It was a good friend of mine. He says, I partnered up with this franchise company doing signage. And he says, would well, you want to move to Fort Worth, Texas or Las Vegas? I said, well, maybe I'll go take a look. So I did take a look at Las Vegas. And there was a guy that had started out here and was kind of floundering. And so it was a good opportunity to jump in. So I, uh, I packed up and moved to Las Vegas with the family and, took over a uh, sign rental company down here on the streets of Vegas. And I, I, I had some background as far as being technologically adept. I mean, I build my own computers and I was a bit of a, you know, nerd on the, the internet at night. Not that there was much of an internet at 2004. Um, <laughs> but, but I had some ability with things like Photoshop. I'd already played with them and Illustrator the early days. And so the transition, it was something that was interesting. So I knew very little about the sign industry. I, I didn't know how a plotter worked. I didn't know how things went up on a window. I didn't know about cut vinyl. Uh, but I learned all those things. And by the time the POD industry started to come around, which would have been, you know, 2000, 2012-ish is when it started to kind of come. Um, I was already ready and set that it, it wasn't a hard transition to, to break into yeah. So, so in in 2012, I mean, obviously your sign company's still rocking and rolling. Um, were you getting into pod that early with like vinyl cutting and 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 doing some print on demand, maybe T-shirts or, or or other things, or or did that come later? I it it kind of transitioned. It was kind of weird because as you're dealing with customers in the sign industry. Um, Either your focus, like say on window signage, and and mine was actually a rental sign company, so it was a changeable sign on the street. But very quickly, you get customers that say, "Hey, can you do T-shirts for me? Can you do business cards for me? Can you wrap my car? Can you do the tint on my car? Things like that." And I actually branched out into decorative window tint um, for the fronts of businesses. So I, to give you a visual perspective, I could take take your front windows and do something as extravagant as mimicking stained glass uh, wow. with window tint, with colored window tint on the front of businesses. So, wow. so as I'm doing this, uh, you can do t-shirts and all these. So I got in with, you know, wholesale screen printers and, and I knew how to fulfill a, a thousand shirt order with a, with a local high school. You know, I knew how to lay out the design. I knew how to get it in. I had the wholesale uh, apparel company set up and all those things. So it was just business as usual. And one night I was sitting around and, and I started to get into um, some of the logo design companies. If you've seen them like 99 designs and oh, I got, I, I got to think of some of the other, I, I was in on some of these design contests and I was, I was earning a bit of money doing uh, logo design contests. And of course that led on to, Oh, wait a minute. I could go put up shirts on something like Teespring. 
And I started to play around with Teespring on the early days and playing around with Facebook. And, and there's a few of the old timers in the POD uh, groups, even for merch, that remember the heyday of Teespring in, you know, 2014, 2013. And that was the real start into it. So it was more of a hobby on the side. Okay. And then I know you, um, you kind of got into merch by Amazon pretty early. Um, and was that just kind of a, a natural outgrowth of what you were already doing with uh, Teespring? Yeah, it was. It, it, I found it as uh, it, that was a very new thing where you would actually put up your design and have somebody else, you know, wow, let's list this and sales come in and get royalties. So Teespring was the first foray into that. But of course, Teespring didn't have the kind of organic reach that Amazon did. So right. I got in right at the beginning in 2015. Uh, I think, Travis, you've probably heard the story. I didn't do much with it. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's kind of cool. Sign up, got accepted. Back in the days where there's no tier, there's no limits. There's, <laughs> I mean, you've got all the different colors of shirts you can list on. And, and I'll be honest, I tried to upload a shirt, and I'd done this on other platforms, and it comes back as an error, and I was frustrated. I keep trying to upload, and I was bitching out at the support saying your platform doesn't work and and i give it i I give it up on merch i'm like you can't upload to the stupid the the stupid platform and finally somebody in support emailed me back he says okay are you sure you've got the exact size image and i'm saying of course i'm sure i know what i'm doing here well no it's got to be the exact pixel and i can't believe this guy took the time to go back and forth with me so I checked the pixels, and I'm like, are you kidding me? It's off by one pixel, and you're rejecting my design. And it was. It was and, and I found a little quirk. I use Corel Draw quite a bit, and I found a quirk that if you save your design off the sign, the, like the center image, it adds a pixel for some reason. So and so I changed that and got the shirt up, right? I'm like, oh, okay. So I put a couple up, <laughs> thought nothing of it, and I come back like, uh, I think it was December of uh, 15. I get 12 or $13 deposited to my bank account. And I'm like, why is Amazon paying me 12 bucks? Oh, I'd sold a shirt or two, right? Yeah. So I put a couple more up, and the next month, I, I don't know, I made 50 bucks. And a month later, I put a few more, I made 100 bucks. And then I said, wait a minute, this is kind of cool. And I think by March or April of 2016, I'd, I don't know, I was making 1000 or $2,000 a month. And I said, wow, I got to take this serious. This is just easy money. Right. Yeah. So, so uh, are you still currently running your sign shop, or have you transitioned fully into print-on-demand world? Pretty much full full-time print-on-demand. I still do the side sign stuff on the side. Uh, however, that's kind of taken a back seat. It just do I want to lug a sign around at 110 degree weather in Vegas or what? I rather condition <laughs> building and make money on shirts all day. Right. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense, man. So, um, so I remember, uh, I don't know, a few years ago, um, I had not really, uh, so I, I kind of got into merch early, but like you kind of didn't really push the pedal to the metal for a while. And then all of a sudden I realized, oh my gosh, this is really getting good. And it, I started seeing the saturation happen and slowly backed off. I, I moved into more like sublimating coffee mugs and all that stuff. And, um, you know, I, I know we've talked a little bit about that, but um, oh, I forgot where I was going. Oh, I was going to say uh, uh, for you, you kind of just 
kind of slow and steady wins the race. Is that is that fair to say for for your like merch by Amazon experience? And then my second secondarily, like where do the other channels that you're on kind of rank um, as far as percentage of of monthly royalty or income or however you want to you know however they pay you whatever the pl- platform is. Oh, you mean like other POD platforms? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's interesting in that because I look back on the early days of merch. You go back to 2016. I mean, you could throw up the worst looking birthday shirt for 40th birthday and sell it. I mean, anybody that was there in the early days, I mean, you could throw anything on there and it would sell. And then, of course, as it got competition, as you're saying about saturation, yeah, it became harder and harder. And, and as of today, unless you're ready to go put up 20,000 birthday shirts. I mean, I just wouldn't even touch the birthday shirt niche. Uh, it's just, it's just too much work. It's too much tracking and, and it's not really where I wanted to be anyway, but in the early days that that stuff was easy money, but the people, the people I found in 2016, I saw some people do this. They were just cranking out amazing numbers and I knew some of the content they were putting up and I looked at it and said, you know, it's kind of like they're riding the wave and in front of some waves that are behind them. And very quickly, those other waves are going to overtake them. And and we've seen that. I mean, we've seen numerous people disappear that were just killing it on numbers. And now they're nowhere because they had no design ability. They had no ability to actually figure out what sells in the market or make it attractive to the market. And as you talked about saturation, even today, I yeah, are, are niches saturated? Yeah, the boring ones are. But there's all kinds of stuff you can do. And and that kind of ties into some of the things we were talking about. You don't have to be like the crowd. You don't have to be what everybody else is being to make money on these on these platforms. And overall platforms, um, merch by Amazon is more more than oh easily ninety percent of what I do when it comes to print on demand. It's okay. just the easiest for me. It's uh, a great platform. I've develop some pretty good contacts with, you know, merch staff and things like that. And I, I just find it fun. Like I've told people that print on a man and merch by Amazon is like a hobby to me. So think of your hobbies, like how much time could you spend on a hobby? And, and to me, it's just fun. So why not do it? What, you know, it, it doesn't frustrate me and, and, and I love doing it. Yeah. That's awesome. Ken, one of the other things that I know that you are knowledgeable in is trademarks and licensing, and I know you have a Facebook group that kind of specializes. <laughs> is it the Trademark Watchdogs? Is that is that correct with the name of your group, your Facebook yes. group? Trademark Watchdogs. I think it's up to about getting close to fourteen thousand people. Wow. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm a member. I see some stuff pop in, and mm-hmm. you know, someone's trying to trademark "good dog" or "good boy" or something like that. And so, or, so, or, or the word "beer." Yeah, or the word yeah. "beer." Yeah. Someone's <laughs> trademark "beer." Uh, so. Tell us, you know, what what usually comes first, uh, thinking about it linearly, licensing or trademarking? Because this is an area that I myself, I want to know more. I don't know a whole lot. And I know those listening are probably very interested in in knowing the ins and outs of both. So, uh, yeah, what would you say comes first, licensing or trademarking? I'd say it looks like a fishing net. It's completely intertwined. Uh, Trademarking, licensing. It, it, it's there is no straight path on either, and there's all kinds of intricacies on how each one works. Hmm. So, so what what would you say are the steps to obtaining a license? Like, I, I we my company currently has a print partner that has licensing with Capcom and Street Fighter and 
mm-hmm. New yep. Japan Pro Wrestling and WWE and, and that kind of stuff. So we fulfill all that stuff. What are the, the steps to obtain a license from a company like that? Well, I, I think, well, a company like that uh, can be very tough because now sure. now you're you're really shooting for the moon uh, sure. on you know your name and off Capcom and you know maybe Disney or Marvel or you know Rick and Morty yeah now you're you're shooting for big guns right so right. I th- I think people need to back it up and and take a look at licensing like the first thing you got to do is have you read about licensing do you even know what it is right mm. and most people that have come to me and said well I, you know I want to get into licensing I say well what is licensing well I'm, I'm not sure <laughs> well Google's your friend you know <laughs> um, it, it takes a lot of work, and, and it's taken me four or five years to learn a lot of things going to expos, you know. And the the first thing yeah. you're going to learn is you got to get the door slammed on your face. <laughs> you have to learn to hear no and be, and be okay with it. Yeah, and, and you know what? You, you're never going to get the answer no unless you ask the question, right? Absolutely. It's just like sales. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and, and, and that's what licensing is about. And, and I can remember one licensing expo, the, the best phrase that has always stuck out to me about the definition of licensing is um, two sales parties bullshitting each other to the middle. <laughs> it, it, and it really is because both of you are salesmen. You're both trying to pitch something and you're both trying to get the best for your company. And you've sure. got to find some place in the middle to meet where that is functional for the two of you. Yeah. Now, so, licensing. One thing yeah. about licensing, anything can be licensed. And I think too often people think they need to shoot for the moon. Yeah. And they forget that anything can be licensed right down to your niece's art that she's really good at. Uh, the local junior trade trade school that's got a digital art class. Have you talked to some of those artists? Have you gone on, online to some of these little um, art type collectives and seeing if people are interested in licensing their, their, their art. I mean, anything that is out there can be licensed. It's about somebody having a product and you paying a royalty for that product to go promote it. Does, do you find that the, uh, and, and I'm totally uh, a novice at this stuff, but I'm, I'm just curious, do you find that the, the royalty that gets paid is, is somehow I mean it's basically like if if it is the your niece's art or the local college's art class versus a Capcom, the royalty or the the royalty percentages obviously would would reflect that. Is it um, give us some ideas of what you would maybe as as a content or like a content creator but would want to get from you know if I have a awesome brand, what am I trying to get from a company that wants to license my stuff? What's a good percentage of, of whatever? How does that work? Well, see, that that's a real sliding scale. And when I first started digging into licensing, it, it kind of opened my eyes to what was going on. Um, first of all, the big brand, like like Star Wars, what do you think you would pay at a royalty for Star Wars? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> well, what, what, what percentage would you guys think? Gosh, um, if you sold a T-shirt, let's say you could get Star Wars, which is pretty tough, um, yeah. Yeah. and sold a T-shirt, what do you think you would pay as a percentage of the gross revenue for that T-shirt? Yeah, that was going to be my first question. Are we talking about gross or are we talking about actual profits? So A lot, so, of, a lot of times we're talking gross. No, lot, but, so but, most of the time licensing deals are, are based on the gross of the product. Is yeah. that correct? Yes, but that is changing too. Okay. 
It's a fishing net. Yeah, it always yeah. changes. <laughs> but but print on demand is changing that, right? Like no, but, if, uh, if well, you I mean, go probably twenty five percent, thirty percent of of gross. No, you're way high way high, way high. <laughs> See, you, you you're posing me in front of my audience. Can <laughs> come on, bro. <laughs> come on down to the five to fifteen percent range. Really? Wow. But then wow. consider that Star Wars, you're probably going to pay a half a million guarantee just to get the license. Okay. Sure. There's a lot right? of like, investment then, right? When, yeah. when you're dealing with some of these big brands, here's the strength they have. They have the strength of a big brand. They have an audience. The moment sure. you put up a new design for their product, it's going to sell, right? Yeah. And they know that. Now, the little artist down in, you know, maybe your niece that's working at a digital art school that all of a sudden you can license her really cool art that nobody knows about. Yeah, you may go in and say, "Hey, I, I'm going to move the, the 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 dial here and pay you twenty or thirty percent to get to get your art, and I'm going to have to do a lot of work to push it. But you know, maybe the payout is going to be in a different perspective. Now, print-on-demand brings a big um, tool to the toolbox as well, because all of a sudden you don't have inventory. Right. And and sure. if you've got if you go to some of these uh, licensing expos over the last couple of years, you've learned that. I remember two, three, what, three years ago doing, going to an expo, uh, none of the companies knew about print-on-demand. I mean, nobody knew about Merch by Amazon, and they had no concept of listing a product for free. Like, the first question was, how much inventory do you expect to, to hold? What kind of a sales marketing plan do you have? How much are you going to spend on marketing? How much are you going to spend on bricks and mortar? And I'm like, nothing. <laughs> I, I'm going to do the designs. We're going to put them up. And, and it, it kind of gets the principle of Walmart, right? You ever see the T-shirt wall at Walmart with all sure, the, yeah. you know, the graphic tees, right? Yeah. How long do you think it takes to get one of those shirts up on the wall? Pretty long, I would think. Oh, six, 12 months, right? You got to yeah. go through design approvals. You got to go through licensing approvals. You got to go through actually getting, you know, oh, we got to get the containers from uh, China to supply all the Walmarts. And, sure. and by the time it's up on the wall, they already know a pretty good idea how many are going to sell, right? Versus, yeah. so do you see a thousand different Star Wars designs up on the wall of Walmart? No. Merch? How many designs do you see on the wall of merch for, for Star Wars? A hundred. Lots of merch. Yeah, you hardly see any. Like, no, but it, with merch, there's no cost. Like, if a design doesn't sell, there's no cost behind it. Let's let's. Sure. It's kind of POD is a testing field, and and that's radically changing licensing. And it it actually for us it may make licensing a little harder because the big companies know they can get in on some of these print on demand or, or digital printers, and and do their keep keep the royalty right, do it themselves. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So you're, are you saying, are you seeing more of that then? Like these large brands basically just um, creating their own fulfillment uh, facilities or partnering with fulfillment facilities with super, super low royalty, if, if any type of royalty or agreement exists, just maybe a percentage of they're just paying for the product? Is that kind of what you're what you're saying? Well, or or they're partnering with somebody like a Merch by Amazon or a Redbubble fan art or something like that, right? They're partnering with them and I working see. directly with a brand manager with their brand, right? Now, certainly they have some kind of a deal worked out to to make it effective, but do you think that um, Star Wars is going to go hand out licensing 
for another 10 or 100 people that are on the Merch by Amazon platform to compete with them. No, yeah, it, makes, no it makes no sense, right? There's right. just no yeah. chance. Yeah, they, they get their phone, they get their call picked up when they call someone at Amazon Merch, you know, and, and, and can just deal with the platform itself is what you're saying. See, I, I've got some good buddies that started a, a little rock band that are pretty famous now. And I've tried to explain to them merch by Amazon, and they can't get it through their head that things are free. <laughs> that that little band I grew up with was Nickelback, and I don't care if you hate your music or not. Um, I I talk to them, and I'm trying to explain this to them, and uh, they just they can't get it through their head. Like like nothing is free, and you still see a lot of brands out there right now that say, well, there's no there's no way you're doing this for free per se, <laughs> and there's no way you're doing it without inventory. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. That's funny because, you know, my, my company, Love for Apparel, we do a lot of partnering with influencers, TikTok yeah. influencers, YouTube, Instagram, whatever. But that is always the, the number one question after we have a conversation is, so where's the bullshit? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. believe that this is free and I think you're lying to me and you're going to take a chunk of my profits. So that that's interesting to me to hear you say that because that is the that's the number one question I always hear. That's the big hurdle. Where, where yep. where's where's the where's the bullshit? You know? Yeah. Yep. Yep, nothing's free. Yeah. Well, let's uh let's transition to um, the second part of your expertise cuz we could probably we probably should have done a whole show on licensing, but uh, we also we do want to talk about trademarking um, because I mean obviously your Facebook group really has kind of led the the um, the the what is what was the word I'm saying led the way led the way yeah led the way in, in, in trying to like expose some of these people that are um, manipulating the trademark. Um, process and so can you talk to us a little bit about um, you know how how someone would actually manipulate the process and what people like you and me that are actually content creators can do uh, to combat that boy there's a big bag of worms I mean just do it in like five minutes please okay (laughs) (laughs) what what has occurred is and and this is kind of a new thing with trademark bullies as print on demand came in the access to having somebody that would print your product and get it out to the customer and you get a royalty became very easy the barrier came down right so now the barrier in competition is competitors always try and find some barrier to the competitors to, to knock them back on something that's easy. And what was found was, wait a minute, if I trademark one of these phrases that's becoming popular, these platforms I could go to and say, I have the trademark, I'm exercising my rights, take them down. And in the early days, they hadn't quite figured this out. But what they have figured out now is these platforms are not legally going to pull their lawyer out and support their content creators because it's not – and I agree, it's not their problem. Mm-hmm. So if if company A comes with a trademark to say Merch by Amazon and says, I own the registration on this trademark, take down all your listings. Merch by Amazon is just going to put their hands in the air and say, no problem. We're not messing with it. We'll let you deal with the creators that have content. And then all the creators, all their content comes down. And they all complain because they're saying, why is this guy taking me down? Now, here's the caveat that's going on. Is what takedown that person just used on Merch by Amazon in the real world wouldn't stand up in a court of law. And even if you talk to the USPTO, 
and ask them and say, well, this guy took me down for this reason for ornamental use on a T-shirt, they'll right away tell you, well, that's not how trademark functions. And, you know, you should get your lawyer to go after them. The problem that we have is so many people have created a business based on thousands of one-off shirts, right? So your one shirt with the phrase of, I don't know, say dogs, right, makes you 10 sales a month. And when you do that over the course of a thousand shirts, you make a pretty good living for yourself. But if you lose those 10 shirts, are you going to go hire a lawyer for $600 an hour to go after this guy? Right. When you make $600 so, a year in royalties. <laughs> right. On that, on that one shirt. Are you going to go blow all your money for all your other shirt sales on this one shirt to protect it? And this became a real problem. These bullies have figured out that they, unless their bluff is called – Nobody's going to police them in the network. Nobody's going to police them in the marketplace because ultimately the trademark comes down to you and them and him defending his trademark. Yeah. So we, we get a real problem now where the next step is, oh, great. I figured out how I can scoop the system here. I'm going to go trademark every phrase I can think of, or I'm going to find a phrase that's popular and go try and trademark it. And, and it's only a matter of months. And then people are saying, oh, no, I just lost my shirts because this guy got a trademark, even though that's not the way trademark functions. So it's a real merry-go-round of confusion that's going on. And one night I was just sitting there and I, I'd read about letters of protest. I'm like, wait a minute, can, can this be used? It's a free function to file a protest and file evidence to stop these applications. And, and the first one I put in was Occupy Mars, right? <laughs> Because some guy was trying to go after it, and I had no clue what I was doing. I just grabbed some screenshots. I uploaded it. The next thing you know, your letter of protest was accepted. Wow. And, it, and it killed the mark. It killed not the mark, but it killed the application, right? And that mm-hmm. was the start of Trademark Watchdogs was just one night saying enough's enough. Each one of us individually is not enough to fight these trademarks, but can we do it as a group? Can we have some kind of effect as a group? And we, we really haven't come to a fruition where people are stepping up to the bat, per se, and saying, hey, let's get 100 of us together and go sue this guy. People still are, are kind of lenient and, and not wanting to go do that. But at least we've got people together to say this is a problem. Yeah, and then you have the other side of the problem where the content creators that are getting you know these takedowns by these trademark bullies – um, I've heard stories, and I know you've probably heard way more. Their their merch by Amazon accounts are are in jeopardy now because they're publishing quote copywritten material right. or trademarked material, and so then all of a sudden their whole livelihood goes out the door because of these bullies. Have you heard a lot of a lot of stories like that? No, I'm going to put you on your feet your your butt on that one. <laughs> really, that, that that is a fallacy. And, and really? I'm going to tell you what. You're saying Merch by Amazon isn't suspending accounts um, based on trademarks? No. No. Not, not mm-hmm. the trademarks we're talking about. There's two categories of trademark that I view. Star Wars Disney is a trademark. Okay. okay. You want to go cross that line, and yeah, you'll get terminated. Right? Like, you want to go right. use the Nike trademark on T-shirts, you're going to get terminated. Yeah. But you go and get the trademark that's been registered for grandma loves a coffee and a, a smoke on a Saturday night is trademark phrase. And this guy comes on to merch and, and issues a takedown and merch takes down a thousand shirts. Nobody's getting terminated. Okay. Nobody. Um, okay. And I've talked I've talked to merch staff on this 
Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not going to open up to what what their procedures are, but they've pretty okay. much said, you know, when we do these massive sweeps that somebody came in with the word dogs drink beer and everybody lost their shirt, like hot sauce. Remember hot sauce? Mm. Hot sauce hit and everybody's hot sauce shirts came down. There's nobody got terminated. Now, here's what get, gets you terminated. The idiot that wants to then get a takedown for hot sauce and go put it up again and, <laughs> and push, right? Like, and get 100 rejections for hot sauce and say, I, I, or takes the keywords for hot sauce out of his listings and sneaks them by. That's the guy right. getting terminated. These frivolous trademarks are more a, a, a drain on our financial well being than it is any kind of a concern that you're going to lose your account. I don't even consider I don't even consider the sweep of a hot sauce trademark as really a red mark on my account. It's just something that happens and merch is washing their hands of. But if you're dumb and want to try and, and push the system, or the other side of it is if you show a complete neglect to continue to put stuff up without showing that you're trying to to work the system, like you're trying to check what's trademarked and not put that up. If you just throw stuff up and show complete disregard for that, that's the other type of person that gets terminated. Okay, so what you're saying and what I hear you saying is that um, there's actually a department in Amazon that actually, you know, there's real people that actually understand the plight of the, of the oh, sellers. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, I've, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an old FBA guy, you know, and so there's I, – I, and I'm in all the groups, and you, you've seen it all. I mean, there's yeah. – every day Amazon is getting slammed in another group because they are uncaring, unfeeling, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, adjectives you want to use. Um, but you're saying that you your contacts are sharing with you that uh, unless you're trying to – like you say, Disney or Nike or some of the big guys that already have like established brands and established trademarks. If someone comes in later and you get a takedown, yeah. that's not necessarily going to endanger no. your. No. Okay. It well, will. I, I mean, I think we're all on the other side of it. I think a lot of us yeah. are, are pretty scared of Amazon. Wouldn't you say, Josiah? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I would agree. <laughs> I guess uh, it comes I, down to two things, I think. It comes down to willful infringement mm-hmm. or complete disregard. Those are the two things that will get you in trouble. And and I agree with you. Amazon's a tough one to try and talk to. And I think in the Merch by Amazon ecosphere, it's kind of lucky that, you know, over the last three years, I've been able to have some communication. I know Chris Green has had some. I think Neil um, Lawson has some contact, too. And it's not that it's, uh, you know, pick up the phone and, you know, you need to answer this question. It's just kind of a, a community, I guess, communication type of a thing. And... I mean, Amazon has no emotion, right? We all know that. They, they have no emotion. Right. But they do, in Merge by Amazon, understand the plight that we're going through. There's just not a lot they can do for it. They right. can't just come out and say, okay, we're going to take on our attorney team and go after these trademark trolls because it's not their place. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So, hmm. so we've been talking a lot about Merge by Amazon. Um, but obviously, there's you know there's the Teesprings, the Tea Publics, the Red Bubbles, the, all these other. Um, are are you seeing similar? Like, d- does it make a difference which channel you're kind of um, dealing with this on? And and obviously, you probably don't have the same contacts that these other print-on-demand companies that you do at Merch by Amazon. But have you seen a difference in the way they handle some of these things? 
Some of them, yes. Um, I think Etsy is probably the one that kind of mystifies me a bit because <laughs> I have seen people um, lose accounts or seem to get real suspensions over really stupid trademark takedowns. Almost like, do you guys not understand what's going on here? My dog drinks beer on a summer night as a trademark is not something that's going to get you sued and this guy is playing you. And right. and to go after and, and KDP seems to be maybe one of the other ones that mm-hmm. it's just they they just kind of show a little disregard for you know what whatever the content is that's being taken down, but most of them are pretty good. I mean Redbubble, T Public, T Spring. I mean they get it, but when you start crossing heavy infringement, you're going to get into trouble, and that's where you start losing your account. Yeah. Mm. So as we're talking here, I just. On the flip side of the coin, as a trademark bully, what yeah. what is the incentive, financial or otherwise, to squat on these trademarks arbitrarily? Like my doctor. Okay. Well, okay. what's the motivation for somebody to go trademark that? And what is the compensation if they do, and they flag someone? What what's the what's the payoff other than just being a massive troll? <laughs> monopoly, monopoly. Let's okay. use the phrase. Uh, the best example is Mama Bear. Everybody knows the phrase mama bear. It's on millions of T-shirts. For heaven's sakes, you can go to the local golf course, and they're going to have a mama bear shirt. <laughs> sure. Uh, you can go to any tar- Target, Walmart, Kohl's, and say, you're going to find mama bear at the local airport, right? Well, right. some lady comes in and says, oh, well, mama bear, I made this design. It's mine. I'm the creator. Yeah, well, Goldilocks and the three bears would argue with you on that one. But... <laughs> um, this is a prime example of somebody that's got it in their head, and I'll use this as an example. They first went to the USPTO and filed for a trademark using their design, which I have no problem with. So right. they had their mama bear design. They were going to trademark it. That's fine because that only protects that design, right? Mm-hmm. But then they, they canceled the application and resubmitted for the word mark, meaning I own the words mama bear. And that's where it became wrong, because what happened was a step of progression of greed. They saw what they could capture with the one mark, but then they said, holy smokes, look how many Mama Bear shirts are out there. Look how much apparel is out there. If I capture that one word and take everybody down, what's it worth? Mm -hmm. Millions. Millions. Sure. And that's where the trademark troll is seeing... If I can take the word hot sauce and kill everybody's design across across Amazon, and not so much they won't go after FBA because they know the FBA guy is going to come back and say, up yours. But the <laughs> Merch by Amazon guy, they know they can play this game with these PODs, and they yeah. say, if I can wipe out these PODs for hot sauce, I'm the only one allowed to put up shirts. I'm the only one that makes sales on those. Right. Okay. That's yeah. the incentive. Yeah, that makes sense. So the, the natural progression is if you get the word mark on Mama Bear and you take everyone else out and your shirts are the only ones with the words Mama Bear on it, then you yep. are the one that then capitalizes on yep. the move that you made to monopolize that trademark or word mark. And then you yep. can also send a letter to Walmart and Target and the local <laughs> golf course. <laughs> but, but they won't. That's the, that's the case. Right, if you, were, if you were to then fight them in court because of a takedown, they would lose. I, I guarantee – I, I've talked to numerous attorneys, guarantee they would lose because the only thing they're really doing with the trademark is throwing it as an ornamental use on the front of a T-shirt, mm-hmm. which you can't even trademark ornamental use, 
right? That's okay. not the way the brand functions. And so if you were to take them to court, they would lose. And this is mm-hmm. going back to what I was saying before. Nobody wants to take them to court and spend the money. So right. the bully is sitting there with the ball saying, challenge me, go talk to the teacher. You're going to be a tattletale for the rest of your time in school, <laughs> right? Like that's probably the pretty good analogy. The bully has sure. the ball and says, sure. you go tell the teacher and everybody knows you're the tattletale. Right. So until you're brave enough to go sue these guys and beat them in court, nothing will change. So you said, so, so you, you find them in court, you guarantee they'll lose because ornamental trademark on the front of shirt isn't how the brand works. So what then is trademarkable? Because this is a question that I get a lot. And to me, it seems like kind of a gray area. So what what is trademarkable for someone? What is something that is safe to- Specifically in the print on demand sure. industry. Yeah, specifically yeah. Okay, well, your brand, your brand. I mean, it's no different on Amazon. Go, go trademark your brand and get brand registration. So these guys can't throw a bunch of products under your brand. It's no different on, on Merch by Amazon. If your company's name is Wicked T-Shirts or whatever it is or mm-hmm. uh, Crazy Designs, go to, go trademark your company and put your content under that. And when the copycat tries to copy your design, your keywords, your brand and everything and throw it up, it, it blocks them. It stops them, right? And but, but to go trademark these phrases is wrong because it, I'll go back to Mama Bear as an example. She's trying to go after the word Mama Bear but this whole time has not even trademarked her own company name. Right. Right. Like what really is your brand? Mm. You know, and that's what you got to ask yourself. I have no problem with going after your brand and trademarking. And I, and I'll, I'll, I'll bring this up. I took some flack for a brand that I just, I, I just finished the trademark on it. I've got the registration and it's naked banana. Right. Mm-hmm. And and Reddit just love to go after me on this one because they're like, see, Ken's running this trademark group, and here he is, you know, in the back back uh, rooms trademarking phrases and you know doing exactly what he's fighting for. I'm like, no, I said no, that's the brand I want to build. It's this I'm going to put my products under Naked Banana. Yeah, but it's a popular meme. Yeah, but it has nothing to do with Naked Bananas. My if you going to my brand is not about a thousand shirts with stripping bananas. <laughs> it, I mean, you could see maybe I've got licensed Einstein or licensed uh, Sesame Street shirts like that. That's going to go under my brand. The brand is the function. The trademark is the function of the brand. It's not just because the name is Naked Banana doesn't mean I'm going to go after your stri- stripping uh, banana shirts that are on merch. It's not right. the way trademark functions. And and people got to get it through their head. They have to understand what. Uh, trademark and brand is about. And that's where this circles together where you ask me about what's the linear line between licensing and trademark? Well, it's mixed together as a net. And when you start to understand, you build your, you trademark your brand, you build a brand, you start building the products under that brand, and you start branching out and licensing stuff into your brand. Mm-hmm. And then you have protection that under your brand. That, that, that really does. That brings it all together. Um, we're, we're getting pretty long on this, but I, I, I want to want to ask you one more question, unless Josiah has sure, more of it. Um, like, so for the, the, the typical merch by Amazon, print on demand, you know, content creator, or they're doing it on Redbubble or Teespring or whatever, um, what, what do they need to do to make sure their, or their shirts or their, you know, their content doesn't get flagged and they don't, you know, get a rejection when they try to 
you know, put out their, their content on these different platforms? What's, what are the steps that they need to take to make this, this will kind of, it's kind of brass tacks for like a lot of our listeners that are actually doing the content. What do they need to do to make sure they don't get flagged um, as a copyright or trademark uh, infringer? Create original content. I mean, that, that's the easiest way I, to sleep at night. Five minute great. things earlier. <laughs> you need a better answer, but longer answer. Not a better, just a longer answer, Ken. Just a little bit. No, no, but come at me, bro, on that one, right? Like, create, create original content and, and identify who your audience is, and you'll get mm-hmm. sales and sleep at night. But if you're gonna play, if you're gonna play the game of searching BSRs and searching what the other guy is selling, you're gonna mm-hmm. fall into these pitfalls. I mean, somebody else obviously had the idea, and now you're gonna ride the idea. Well, sometimes you cross lines, then, right? Like you take a design that's already selling and say, "Oh, I'm gonna make that even better." When you know the whole improve cat type thing, and and all mm-hmm. of a sudden now you set yourself up for the potential that you may cross a line, right? And that's why I always say it's better if you're thinking, I I like to identify the audience first and I'll back it up even further. Me personally, I would only rather design what I I enjoy, right? Like what what do I have something that I, I'm not just gonna go make crocheting shirts because it would make me scratch my eyeballs out. I'm gonna go (laughs) do something that I enjoy, right? That I'm good at. And then I'm going to take it to the step and identify the audience. Who's buying this? Where are they going to buy it? And how are they going to buy it? And then create original content. And, and I think that separates uh, some people that do very well and start to build a very good brand and a very good stable passive income source versus the people that are in the constant rat race to keep up with what the current BSR sellers are. Yeah. No, that's, that's excellent advice. And here I thought you were going to say go to, you know, to USPTO.gov and search out the, the test trademark, you know, word search and all that. Uh-huh. Well, silly me, you went way beyond that, Ken. <laughs> no, but here, let me let me tell you, um, it, this is the ironic part. I run that group and I spend hundreds of hours running the group and, and helping out with people like Dave Catoff and Brenda and Debbie and Nash. I, I mean, the list is long, the Rondas of the world and I mean, I, I can't thank everybody, but the thing is, I can't think of the last time I truly checked for a trademark on my stuff because wow. I don't worry about it because I know my content, I, it's all tied together. I don't have to worry about, oh my gosh, is eating dogs and drinking coffee while I jet ski, is that trademarked? I, I'm just not worried about it. So the ironic thing is, is everything I'm doing on that trademark site has very little impact on my business. But I feel strong enough because it started off with Mama Bear that I did impact my business if that went through, that I stick with it. But I've changed how I do my POD business that it's it's really not a big deal to me anymore. And I sleep great at night because I don't worry about, oh, no, somebody trademarked this and my stuff's going to come down. And And that's where I also tell people on rejections in that nature, as we talked about earlier, sleep at night. Stop worrying and stop sweating about did somebody trademark this new phrase and 10 of my shirts got yanked and I got 10 rejections and now I'm going to lose my account. It's not the way it works. Yeah. Okay. So how would you say, I mean, we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast, but when you are exploring a niche or 
like you said, figure out who's going to buy this shirt. How, how do you kind of identify what is trending or do you just go based off of what you're interested in and that's what you produce as designs based on your own interests and just make original content so you're not worried about the, the, the rejections or how do you identify what streams you kind of want to create content for to attract people to, to your listings? I, I am down now whittled down to what I'm interested in. Okay. If I'm not interested in, I, I'm probably not going to pursue it. I'm also not interested in playing the 1307 to 1507 rat race price game. It, it's just <laughs> not worth my time. I mean, if I got to sell my shirts for $15 and I have to sell 100 times more shirts, I just don't want to be there. I don't want to mess with it. Yeah. yeah. I would much rather have products that are licensed that I'm putting up for $24.99 a shirt, making a $10 royalty and splitting off 3 bucks to somebody than messing around with 1307 trying to get some reviews and boost it hmm. yeah no that's good makes sense cool man well um like i said i think we could probably keep talking for hours <laughs> on this stuff i mean you, you you you've been you've been living it man i mean it's funny you you were talking about how you you know you you don't even worry about trademark really that much anymore but yet you run this awesome facebook group that helps a lot of people uh, and protects a lot of people and, and even people that, um, you know, aren't, aren't even doing the same business model, you know, like the, yeah. the uh, yeah, people that are doing the kind of looking for the BSR and, and, and you're helping them. And so that's, that's, that's pretty awesome, man. We really, uh, we appreciate um, your hard work. So um, it's, the Facebook group is Merch Watchdogs, is that correct? Trademark, uh, trade, trademark Watchdogs. Trademark Watchdogs. So guys, go to Trademark Watchdogs. Um, and uh, there's a wealth of knowledge. Yeah. Get get in on some um, some of the, what are, what are they called? What what are the pro letters of protest? LOPs, I think. Yeah, LOPs, letter of protest, and uh, stay in tune with it because we have a very small percentage of people that actually do the work, mm -hmm. and it's a lot of strain. And here's here's the thing: we might have 50 people that actually do something. There's mm -hmm. I think we have about 200 people that pay into the Patreon, like. Two dollars or five dollars a month. I think we get eight hundred or a thousand dollars a month, which mm -hmm. barely covers, you know, legal counsel, a bit of a kitty, so that if we get sued as a group, <laughs> it's not coming out of our pockets. But you know mm -hmm. what? We got fourteen thousand people. If I only had a thousand people in that group filing one letter of protest a month, the whole industry would be changed. But we can't. We just can't get people to do it. And you've got all of the. Um, instructions on how to file those in your in your Facebook group. Don't yep. you? Yeah, units, videos. I mean, there's everything you need to figure it out. And if you don't know, tag a question to me or Dave or one of the admins, and all of a sudden they'll come in and, yeah, see, it only takes you 15 minutes. A letter of protest should take you about 15 minutes to do. Wow, awesome. Well, there you go, guys. For, this, for those of you listening, go look, check out Trademark Watchdogs and take action um, because I just can't say if enough of us um, actually do the work, we can change um, the industry as in terms of in regards to these trademark bullies and, and trolls that are out there. Yeah. Is that the best way for people to reach you too, Ken? If they have a question about something they heard on this episode, is that Facebook group the best way to contact you to kind of follow up on any other information they might need or yep. questions? Yeah, just uh, just hit me up with a, a post in the watchdogs or message. I try and keep up on my uh, Facebook messenger, but it gets a little swamped at times. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just yeah. 
I'll try and keep up on it. If you don't, if you sent me a message and I haven't got back to you, it's probably gotten buried in new requests or something like that. Just tag me in a, a post somewhere. Awesome. Well, Ken, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to to chat with us. I know for Travis and myself, it was definitely um, <laughs> rewarding. There's lots of knowledge, and we probably have more questions, and we might have you back on. You I was taking to school. We, we did. Uh, <laughs> you, when I thought you would zig, you zagged, and I enjoyed it. <laughs> so we'll have to have follow-up episodes and then follow the zag trails because I have questions. But yeah. uh, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we look forward to, to following up very soon. Thank you very much for having me on, guys. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Well, there you have it, folks. We're back in present time. To what we're now, <laughs> but man, that content was was mind blowing. The knowledge he has yeah. in, in an arena that tends to be so like I, I don't know. To me, it, it's always felt kind of like there's lots of gray areas, but he seems to have some some advice to kind of navigate those those weird spaces. So I loved the interview, and I was super glad that we got to be kind of yeah. front seat, you know, for for all of that knowledge. There's a yeah, there's a ton of golden nuggets in there. And, um, you know, can really set somebody on a, on a good path, you know, to, to, to protect themselves against a lot of the, the potholes and the landmines, frankly, that are out there <laughs> right. in the print on, in the print on demand world. So yeah, super glad that Ken came on and, uh, we were taken to school a little bit, you know, it was, oh, it was I, fun. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's something that I, you know, since that interview, uh, I have looked into and, and, and trying to pursue specifically, sp- specifically easy for me to say, uh, the licensing end of things. Um, I think you meant Atlantically. You, oh, yeah. No, I meant um, Gulf Coastally. Oh, but, okay. Well, that's a debate for another episode on another spinoff podcast. So, no, I'm super excited uh, to, to learn more about it. And, again, thanks to Ken Rio for, for coming on the show. And thanks to you guys for listening. And as always, if you have a question, you can get at me and Travis. Email us at info at printondemandcast. You can follow us on Facebook, printondemandcast. Uh, printondemandcast.com is where you can find the show uh, and the episodes and ask us all the questions you have. And if you can, it, we'd be super grateful if you leave that five-star review on iTunes. Helps the algorithms, help, helps us get in front of other people that could use this knowledge. So if you find this information valuable if you find the two of us even mildly entertaining a five-star review would be greatly greatly appreciated so uh with that we're going to put a bow on it travis anything else before we wrap this thing up nope nope just appreciative of all all the listeners all right we'll see you all next week see ya thanks for listening to this week's episode of the print on demand cast we hope you enjoyed the show If you've got a question or a suggestion for the show, send Travis and Josiah an email at info at printondemandcast.com. Take a minute to rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And don't forget to subscribe now so you don't miss next week's episode. See you next week.